630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays now up 3-0 on the Yankees. That's in the fifth. The Canadian soccer team looking good. 3-0 lead on El Salvador in the 79th minute. So they're going to win that one to go to a win and two draws. The uh, Elks back at it today. We had James Wilder Jr. on the show. He's feeling fine after uh, getting a little winded late in the Labor Day Classic. They're back at it Saturday. Once again against the Stamps, it's at Commonwealth, 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Ched, and the game will start at 5. And the Grey Cup, as I understand it, and we're about to get the details, is coming to that game, and I think it's a pretty significant appearance. I am pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports a couple of uh, very entertaining general uh, gentlemen. First of all, from the spirit of Edmonton, he's the chairman. It's Jerry Haraxi. Jerry, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Reed, thank you so much for having us on tonight. And the man with one of the coolest job titles in the entire world. Maybe it's the coolest, but it's if it's not, it's up there. He is the keeper of the Grey Cup for the Canadian Football League. Jeff McQuinney is checking in as well. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. And uh, gentlemen, and to our Edmonton listeners, we're back. I can tell you, we're back. It was a you long haul, but we're back. Well, let's start there with you, Jeff. And you and I have been fortunate enough to uh, to meet a couple of times. You've uh, you've brought the Grey Cup into uh, into the studio at six thirty, Chad, and, and been on my show. Uh, and you love going across the country and meeting people and meeting fans. Um, I do. So twenty twenty must have really sucked for you. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't fun. But you know, we've been here before, and it, it talks about the great Canadian Football League. This, the, even the Canadian Rugby Union, the Winnipeg, the, the, the Western Interprovincial Rugby Football Union, prior to 1958. But when you look at what we did in World War One, as a 41, you know, in a 46-year-old country, we go to war. We only had an East Conference uh, challenge, but then when you saw in 1920-21, we, uh, I guess, we felt as a country we could do everything together, and so that was when we saw the uh, the Western provinces come over. And interestingly enough. The guy that la- the the team that launched that uh, that great rivalry between the East West is your your home uh, Edmonton Football Club. So I I just I just looked this up. So is there there was no Grey Cup in uh, 1916, 1917, and 1918 because of That's World right. War One and the Spanish flu pandemic, and then. In 1919, it was not because of the pandemic. They didn't have a great cup. There was some kind of rules issue, or what was going on? There was rule. The rules issue was um, very specific to how many players were going to be playing. They had 14 players on a field, and they were 60-minute guys. They played both sides, both sides of the ball. So in 20, they brought that in. We still didn't have a competition, but in 21, when we brought the the Edmonton Football Club, which 1922 ended up being the Elks that was uh, competing for it. They had a. They changed the rules, and we went to a 12-man uh, competition at that point. That was. Those were the big changes, and you know, you saw the flying wings. You know, then you started to see the wide receivers, the halfbacks. They started changing the terms because there used to be five wings. That's what they call it. Just they did. It wasn't a snapback. It was just a ball that came right off the ground. The rules changed. and started seeing a better uh, what we see today as a, as the great game of the Canadian football. Okay. League. 
Well, this this is a great note. I'm glad you brought this up. So, so 1921 to 2021, we're actually at the 100 year anniversary of the first East West Grey Cup, the first Edmonton yeah. appearance in the Grey Cup, which is pretty cool. And as you pointed out, uh, in 1922, the Edmonton team that went to the Grey Cup was the Elks. So, yeah. as, as we know, they they kind of have gone uh, gone back and, and grabbed the name out of the past year with with the new name. Uh, Jerry from Spirit of Edmonton. <laughs> Uh, I mean, kind of same question for you guys. Spirit of Edmonton is known as being this incredible social experience. It's always the life of the party at uh, at the Great Cup Festival. What, if anything, uh, were you able to do last year to bring people together and still celebrate the game in a year we didn't have games? You know, uh, Reed, we, we're known na- nationally. You know, our fan base is, is from coast to coast of our great country, and and when when we found out that there was no not going to be any CFL, you know, I just thought it was time that the spirit of Edmonton uh, gets out there in, f- in front of Edmonton fans and, and lets everybody know that um, that we're a, a CFL organization. We love our football team here in Edmonton. Uh, we represent them really well, but we're not affiliated with them um, other than flying the colors of the Elks and the green and gold. Um, so last year, um, which would have been game one back in June. We set up our tailgate um, anyway. There was nothing going on in the stadium, a Commonwealth Stadium, but we had about 40 people come out and just celebrate what would have been the season opener for the uh, for the football team at the time. Uh, and then in November, we joined up with Dwayne Veneau and CFL for Great Cup Unite. We put on a virtual Great Cup party. Uh, we had um, Edmonton's uh, Dan Davidson performing live for a couple hours, and then we went east to Moncton and had... Uh, our guys from Spoiled Rotten playing, you know. So we did a virtual Grey Cup party just to just to keep everything fresh. And uh, when I found out that, um, you know, we were going to go into a condensed season this year, I looked at the schedule and I thought, man, if I can get the Grey Cup into Edmonton, you know, um, via the Spirit of Edmonton platform, uh, especially for this game, the return match between the Elks and the Stampeders, where the Elks are so generously giving everybody under 17 years old a ticket in. I thought, what a great way to show such an iconic championship trophy to the younger generation of Edmonton. And and it's a beautiful thing that the spirit of Edmonton is able to do that and uh, come on out Saturday and get your picture taken uh, with such a great trophy. All right. So, Jeff, uh, when and where can people find you in the Cup on Saturday? What's What are some of the details? I'm be or or Jerry, if you want to chime in. Uh, I think Jerry, you have me at West Lot A, and we're going to uh, we're we're going to have a lot of fun there. Uh, so, I think Jerry, what time do you want want us there? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna set up in the tailgate area. I think a lot of fans are familiar with it. For those that aren't, we're on the west side. It's parking lot A, uh, right in between the stadium and Santa Maria Goretti. Uh, church there um yep. you can't miss us we have two big 10 by 10 spirit of edmonton tent set up we're going to be there uh ready to open for photos at three o'clock and we're gonna go right till kickoff at 5 p.m so uh, again three o'clock um, right till 5 p.m west side commonwealth stadium look for the spirit of edmonton tailgate tents and uh, you can't miss us okay and jeff i, I just want to clarify here this is the gray cup's first public appearance since that is correct winnipeg won it November 24th, 2019. So wow. when it comes back into our possession as a Hall of Fame and CFL um, display, this is the first one. This is the first official one that is a formal, as it's not so formal when the guys have it and they're doing exactly what uh, you know we've done for almost 113 years, is raising by the head, drinking out of it and crying and bleeding. It's, it's a wonderful story book that we have here. And what we had um, 113 years ago was 
1909 in, in at Rosedale Field. Um, it's and then we we went into 1924. If I can tell you one story about a great Edmontonian, in 1975, uh, there's a guy by the name of Bain Norrie. He's a uh, you know a legend around your parts, and his dad was on the 1924 Queen's University team. Get that, the 1924 when they couldn't. They were fighting whether the CNCP were going to come from the West to compete against these guys. So the CN, CANCP boys were saying, well, the management wanted CN and the, uh, the, the players wanted CP, so they had a real tough time getting, uh, getting things going. But Bain Norrie and his dad are the one of, I think there's about tw- uh, 18 or 20 uh, father and son teams on there. And it's, it's pretty cool. And in 1975, when Bain Norrie wins the game, that was when Donnie Sweet missed that 19-yard field goal to, to win nine, when Edmonton won 9-8. Well, there's a buddy of mine, and I'm, if you mind, don't mind me telling a, a story about him. So Mike uh, is, a, is a fantastic guy. There's, there's Mike uh, uh, Buker, and he's had some tough times, but he told me the story about the 75 Grey Cup. He said to the girl that he was with that night, Watching the game, he said, if Sweet misses this, if he misses that, I will marry you. Well, he woke up on the 24th of November in 1975. He was engaged and very hungover. And they're, t- they're together today. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, Mike, if you're out there, you're listening, uh, we're thinking about you. I know you've had uh, a couple items that had a bit of a hiccup, but uh, nothing, no guts, no glory with that guy. So, thanks for letting me tell well, that story. That's that is an incredible story. There are so many cool Grey Cup stories, and that is definitely one of them. And, yeah, absolutely, we we wish Mike uh, all the best for sure. And in your reference, uh, a very memorable uh, CFL yeah. game. Ray Yock and Marv Levy were the uh, head coaches in that game back yeah. in 1975. Yeah, Levy just, went, he's, uh, just recently went into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jerry, what will Spirit of Edmonton be doing uh, this year? Are you hopeful to be at the Great Cup in Hamilton? Is that still uh, TBA? What's going on with you guys now? Yeah, we're planning on being there. I'm actually going to be in Hamilton in two weeks uh, talking to Greg Danette and the organizing committee there. And, um, you know, it's weird because normally this time of year, I would have already had next year's Great Cup booked and paid for. And um, yeah. it's a little scary not having anything ready. Uh, but we're going to go in there like we're doing it. The restrictions are still quite strict in Ontario. Um, so, you know, we've got to be very careful when we when we go there and, and see what we can pull off. But you know what? Um, since we're talking history, if we can't do what the Spirit of Edmonton normally does, which is throw the biggest and the best party in Canada during that weekend, we're going to go back to our roots and we'll rent a suite in a hotel room and we'll just have a bunch of CFL fans in a suite and, um, you know, raise a little hell and have a little bit of fun, good old-fashioned Spirit of Edmonton way. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well you got a lot of great fans out there, you guys. I'll tell you, the spirit of Edmonton is is alive and well. When you get a guy like, you take a look at some of your fans that I bumped into, like Wayne Kaharchuk. This guy vacillates between 13 and 36 season tickets in a year since 1976. Like, you guys have a, a wonderful, wonderful contingency of fans. Yeah, it's nice to be recognized coast to coast. And uh, like I say, it, it's it's just such a great feeling to be able to represent the spirit of Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton Elks football team, the city of Edmonton and, and the CFL. Um, you know, within our country, it's it's a passion for all of, all of us. Every one of us at the Spirit of Edmonton volunteer for this. You know, we don't get paid. We take our own vacation time when we go to Grey Cup. You know, we meet regularly throughout the course of the year, 
and that's all on our own personal time away from our families and it's it's the passion that we all have for uh, for representing like we do and I tell you I'm really looking forward to seeing Jeff again we've been you know good friends for a number of years but we haven't been able to see each other since um, you know 2019 and uh, I know Jeff's flying in on Friday afternoon with the cup and uh, you know we've got him we've got him staying thanks to the River Creek Resort for uh, for putting us up for the weekend and I tell you we're going to have a great time this weekend and I just hope everybody comes out and maybe create some new memories with the younger generation uh, with a great photo of the great cup Jeff how long have you been the keeper of the cup now remind me 2015 when you got when 215 when your team hoisted the great cup that was my that was my inaugural I've been with the league since, or the, uh, the hall since 2009 but it was pretty special being in Winnipeg and watching uh, two great teams go at it and making this group, this game so much better like all the everybody that was out on that field gave it their all and it was um they should never walk away you know in the way we think about jack lamb who just passed away all these guys from the 54 55 56 contingency they never ever went into that um of calling you a loser you were always a contender if you take a look at the watch they had in 52 it was a contender it wasn't a loser or the, the l side um that you know the way things turned out in in winnipeg it was really enjoyable to have that as my inaugural uh, great cup yeah i liked it too i'll be honest with you so were were you uh like you are a cfl historian and already you have uh, wowed me tonight with uh, several references to the past did you did you expand on that once you became the keeper of the cup or was it kind of already in place because I, I i'm not going to put you on the spot and do it but i feel like i could mention any year in canadian football history and you'd be able to pull out some fun facts from that year try me let, let it rip let's go reed if i okay, can uh, if i can just say something reed jeff can you yeah. please please tell the story and the history of your father glenn mcwinney and the edmonton eskimo football team please tell that story because i'm putting you on the spot but it's a great one you're talking about when my dad uh, about the not without my teammates. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So dad was on the '54 Grey Cup team, and his uh, interestingly enough that his his story where if you take a look at '54, 22 of those guys should never have been playing by by standards of today. They were CTE standards, knee injuries, stuff that they would never have been allowed to play. They, they would have been stifled. So my dad, in 2007, he was, if you want to refer to the football terms, he was in his halftime of his cancer game. So he had already been five years. He was only given, he lasted 10, but he was given nine months to live, and he just, he got to halftime, and I said, you know, 2007, kind of cool to do something for my dad. We invited the Grey Cup to the house, uh, had a nice event, did redid jerseys, and the, the, the league was very good to me. We're in the we're in the uh, kitchen, and it was myself, Mike Morial, uh, Bob Morialli, Mike Morialli's uh, dad. And he looked at my dad. And you got to remember, my dad was the kind of guy that you, you would start off knowing him as Mr. McWinnie, then it would be Glenn, and then it, by the end of the day, his, his nickname was he were calling him by his nickname Keeper, and he goes, Keeper, would you like to drink out of the Great Cup one more time? And he goes, No, not without my teammates. And that's uh, you know that, that was a not only my dad's constitution that. But it's, it was all these guys, Jack Lamb, who we just lost. I, I, and, you know, we look at Parker, you know, Miles, Kwong. Um, all these guys have done great things that make the spirit of Edmonton alive and well. 
Yeah, that's that's an awesome story, Jeff. Thank thanks for sharing that. that. That's a perfect way to wrap it up, Jerry. Thanks for hopping on. All the best with Spirit of Edmonton this weekend and throughout the season, Jeff. Enjoy your stay here in Edmonton. Okay, so it's lot A. Uh, sorry, when are you starting on Saturday? When can people start dropping by to see the cup and meet Jeff? So two hours before kickoff, so 3 p.m., uh, the west okay. side of Commonwealth Stadium, Lot A. Just look for the big uh, um, Spirit of Edmonton tents. You can't miss us. Our logos are, are big and tall on our 10 by 10 tents. And uh, Jeff and I will be there. And like I said, um, just everybody come on out and uh, and get a photo taken with the cup and with Jeff because, uh, you know, Jeff is, uh, is a Canadian icon in his own right. <laughs> but I'll tell you guys, the one thing that we need, we need to remember at all times, old-time football old-time football that's where we are there we go you guys are the best thanks for hopping on tonight have a great weekend enjoy the game thanks, thanks for the support i really appreciate it take care see you jeff right. bye-bye now there we go jeff McQu- jeff mcquinney the cfl's keeper of the great cup jerry haraxi the chairman of the spirit of edmonton great cup in town first public appearance uh since it got back into possession of the CFL after Winnipeg got to have some fun with it. 3 to 5 p.m. Saturday, west side of the stadium, lot A. You can't miss it over by the Santa the uh, Santa Maria Goretti Center. Going to be fun. Inside Sports on Chet. Mooners coming up soon. That was a a good one. We got uh, Jerry Haraxi from the Spirit of Edmonton. Jeff McQuinney, the keeper of the Grey Cup, was on the show. He He is an awesome guy, and he can spin a tail or two, and he did that during that segment. Uh, had me laughing, had me getting a little emotional a couple of times as well. We'll have to do that with him someday. I just uh, I just list a year in CFL history, and he tells me as much as he possibly can about it. Uh, I have a feeling he has pretty much everything covered. And that that's an interesting note for this season. This is the 100-year anniversary of the first East-West Grey Cup, which was the Toronto Argos beating Edmonton 23 nothing. And then the next year, in 1922, Queen's University beat Edmonton 13-1. But, uh, so there was, there was no Grey Cup from 1916 to 1919. The first, what, seven Grey Cups from 1909 to 1915 were all Ontario teams. You had the University of Toronto playing the, uh, I, I love some of the old names, the Toronto Parkdale Canoe Club. So uh, what do you guys do? A lot of canoeing? No, uh, actually, we're a football team. Uh, the Hamilton Alerts were in it. The Toronto Rowing Association. Man, this, this, forget about rowing and canoeing. We're trying to win the Grey Cup. <laughs> uh, Canada won 3-0 over El Salvador. That's a good result. You know what else is good? Cam Moon. He's next. I enjoy listening to that band. 
Some night we'll just play high and dry. Who's stopping us? Uh, they're stopping us from having a second hour of the show tomorrow. Those dirty politicians. What are they calling it, Kellen? The the uh, the great leaders debate. Federal leaders debate. Name? Federal oh, leaders the, debate. In the, in the in the English language, I believe the, the English language leaders federal debate. leaders debate. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness that's on not on Chad now because I would not have been doing done a very good job translating that. So tomorrow, uh, a one hour edition of Inside Sports from six to seven, and then. Uh, I'll probably watch the NFL game as opposed to the leaders debate. Well, maybe I should try to be an informed voter. I don't know. We'll see. But yes, the NFL does start tomorrow. Dallas at Tampa Bay as we go to week one. Uh, CFL game Friday, three games on Saturday, including the Elks against the Stampeders. It's on 630, Chad, with the countdown to kickoff at 330. The game will start at five. Yankees have pulled even with the Blue Jays. It's 3-3. In the bottom of the sixth, Sidney Crosby going to be out about six weeks for the Penguins. He had surgery on his wrist, so he might miss the first week or so of the regular season. And the Canadian soccer team, 3-0, even uh, without Alfonso Davies, they were able to take down El Salvador tonight to uh, win in World Cup qualifying. They now have five points, three games into the uh, 14-game process to try to get into the World Cup. Some of the things you need to know tonight. Oh, I love talking to this guy. It's Cam Moon from the Weathers play-by-play chair. How are you doing? Doing very well. What's going on there? <laughs> well, I'm sitting in my basement. Uh, you yeah. haven't seen this. Someday uh, you'll actually come to my house. Uh, my basement is, uh, it's not fancy. It's serviceable. I have, yeah. uh, I got a decent-sized TV down here. I'm kind of, I'm a bit of an awkward angle to it, but I can still see it. And I uh, have like a relatively small uh, folding table that I have my laptop and my notes on and a lamp. I need to get a better lamp. This lamp isn't that good. And that's the setup. <laughs> that's that's it, my hey? workspace. It's actually quite convenient. Yeah, there's All a you need. bathroom. It's, a, it's like eight steps to the bathroom. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing. Okay. Well, hey, you're set up. You're ready to go. I like it. Well, thanks, Cam. How, what are you watching? Yeah. Are you watching the Jays or what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, I got the Jays on. They were they were absolutely rolling till the bottom of the fifth, and Manoa was just slicing and dicing on the mound for the Jays. And then uh, with two out, gives up gives up a three run home run. Brett Gardner uh, of the Yankees. That was in the bottom of the fifth. So if they're into the sixth here. Manoa's still going. He's, he's at ninety nine pitches, so he's getting near the end. But. Yeah, it's a, it's a good tilt. Boston's down one nothing to Tampa Bay, so that that impacts the Jays, of course, as they're they're trying to close the gap on that wild card uh, with the Red Sox ahead of them. So hopefully they can find a way to pull this one out. All right. Now I referenced earlier, and I think you were listening to the show because you you are yeah. actually one of the loyal fourteen Inside Sports listeners, even when you live down in uh, in Red River or uh, Red Deer, as some people call it. Uh, We had James Wilder Jr. on the show, and then I referenced that you were... Okay, I'm I'm just going to word this in the bluntest way possible, Cam, because I don't think you'll be offended. Were you a basket case during the game on Monday? I was yelling at the television. When it was over, I was exhausted. Like, when the game was over, I was absolutely exhausted. Happy they won. Almost relieved that they won. I, I wouldn't even say it was it was it was joy. It was relief. I and my expectation level going into the game read wasn't high because it's Labor Day. It's in Calgary. It hasn't been good to them here in the most recent past. 
So, hey, they're, they're, they're hanging around. They got a little lead there at the half. I didn't get too excited about it, you know, because I know how this turns out, right? So I was like, don't get too fired up because they're gonna, the Stampeders are going to pull the rug right out from underneath you and you're going to be upset and then you're going to have to go for a walk. But I'll give the Elks credit. They, they kept, they kept playing. They actually got better in the second half, and in the fourth quarter, they started to take it over. Uh, you had James Wilder Jr. on earlier in the show. That run, when when the Elks get the ball, they're on their what? Were they on their ten? Yeah. Like in 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 years past in Calgary on Labor Day, that would have been a two and out. And then a punt from inside your end zone. Maybe you take the safety, maybe you don't. Either way, it puts you into a, a really difficult position where you're hanging on, uh, just barely hanging on at the end of the game. And maybe you win, maybe you lose. But he runs the ball out to like the 40 or whatever. And then, uh, you know, the next play, it goes for a touchdown. And that was it. And I was like, oh, I was stunned. And yeah, I was yelling at the television because there was instances when penalties were taken that uh, the the one that would have got the stamps off the field with a field goal attempt and it was a roughing the passer that it didn't think was very necessary and then that extended the, the drive to a touchdown there was a lot of yelling at that point yeah I would say the uh uh the the hot level went up pretty pretty good at that point for me um I talked myself down after but yeah it's those Elks games, I'll tell you, the road ones, I don't know. There's something about, you know, if you're watching it on TV, I'm, I'm living and dying. Sometimes what I have to do, Reed, what I have to do is if it gets just a little bit too much for me, I just pop on the radio, I put it on 630 Chet, I listen to uh, to Morley and Dave, and I go for a walk. And that, that kind of settles it right down for me. You're an intense young man, but I appreciate that. You care about Only for team. those games. That's, That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, pretty chill. Yeah, well, you can't get that emotional while you're calling a game because that would be distracting. I mean, you can't go for a walk mid Oilers game. <laughs> no, no, it's better. You have to go for a walk. <laughs> no, the, the cord on that headset's only about you know six feet long. Like that's yeah. that's all I got. You're tethered. Did you I'm did you get here, Jeff? Did you get to hear Jeff McQuitty on the show, the keeper of the Grey Cup? What a like yes. what a job, eh? Like, what do you do I, for I, a living? I travel around the country with the Grey Cup. I got to meet him. I want to say it was about two or three years ago. There was an event in Red Deer where the Cup was there. And I had to go into the radio station to do my morning hit on my way to the rink. And they're like, well, actually, we're on location tomorrow, and the Grey Cup will be there. I was like, fine, I'll just go there, and we can do it from there. And I got talking to him. I was there for – I bet you I was there for an hour. He's amazing. Great stories. Uh, his his knowledge of CFL history is absolutely off the charts. So, yeah, he, uh, he he's, a, he's a great guy. I love that you had him on tonight. Now, have you ever been to a Grey Cup? Obviously, with – your life as a hockey play-by-play announcer that that is not an easy task to accomplish no it is not you're right it's incredibly difficult i did it once though it was i want to say it was the 2010 gray cup uh here in edmonton does that sound right 2010 
2010 was here, yeah, Saskatchewan and Montreal. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I, uh, as you know, I have been a season ticket holder kind of off and on for many years uh, at that time was on, and I'm on now. Oh, I'm totally on now. Um, but I was like, I need to go to that Grey Cup, and I need my dad to come, and I need both my kids to come because I think it's like a, a Canadian rite of passage. And I'd never been to one, and my dad had never been to one. So I was like, the four of us are going to go, and we're going to, you know, we'll go to the game. And, and I, you know, I got the tickets like way, way, way in advance. I mean, hopefully Edmonton's in it. As it turned out, they weren't. But, I mean, the Riders lost. So that was almost as good. Um, yeah. So it was because uh, Montreal won that one. Uh, it was it was cold. It was a little, it was a little chilly by the fourth quarter. Um, but it was a very, it was enjoyable uh, Everybody in, had a good time, and I'm glad that I went, and I would love to go again, but you're right. It's incredibly challenging through a hockey season to be able to get that window uh, to go, but I'd really like to go with the Elks in a, a Grey Cup one day, wherever that may be. Uh, if it was here in Edmonton, that would be you know best-case scenario, but, but anywhere else, I, I would like to see one in person. I'd like to see the Elks win one in person. Yeah, that would be awesome for sure. Cam Moon joining us tonight on Inside Sports. As we are counting down to uh, the start of the NHL season, we should have some rookie camp festivities going on next week at Rogers Place. We are two weeks today. Two weeks, September 22nd is the start of main camp. we got a preseason game coming up here on September 26th. Ken Holland, as you know, was on the show last night. Um, and, I, and I read a message I got about from about Yamamoto from a listener earlier tonight as well who kind of said like what what is going on why why is this not done uh in the context of what are they quibbling about here there's not a lot of cap space uh you know Yamo was better his first year than his second year uh I don't know like are, are we in a stage now where we're worried about him not being at camp or are we starting to wonder what's going on what's your mindset with this well I I and I have no intel. Uh, my thoughts are it'll get done before camp. But if you're in the the Yamamoto camp, whether it be, you know, Kyler himself or his agent or, or whatever, you're not in a position of there's, there's not a lot of bargaining power there. So the only thing you can do to to you know have any kind of leverage is is wait it out. So it looks like that's what they're doing right now. I don't know. Maybe they're they're really getting down to the to the nitty gritty with it. And you know, it, it maybe at this point it's eighty percent done. But maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Um, you would think that if it was easy, it would have been done by now. So there's got to be a stumbling block of some sort. And I don't know if that's money term whatever um i just hope to get it figured out between now and two weeks from now so that uh, he doesn't miss any of training camp because that's it's a bit of a distraction for the team for the player for everybody and it it doesn't do anybody any good if you're missing training camp time so it because it, it always seems like the player is playing catch up if it's yeah. any significant amount if it's a couple days whatever but if it's a couple weeks, then it is you are playing catch-up because in those two weeks, everybody else is getting up to game speed, and you're not. So 
it's tough to hit the ground running when everybody is a little bit ahead. So I hope that gets figured out. Yeah, that's going to be one to watch uh, for sure. Mooner, thanks for hopping on the show. I will let you get back to the Jays and the Yankees. Now we're to the top of the seventh. I think the Jays are getting some good. Was that a throwing error to get to second base? I just looked as the runner was moving along. But the Jays got a runner on second with nobody out in the top of the seventh. Oh, and uh, who, Hall of Fame. Larry, I got a Larry Walker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Larry yeah, okay, Walker. Jeter, Jeter, whatever. We're <laughs> Jeter got it's in, Larry Walker, Walker got in, uh, Ted Simmons, and the late Marvin Miller. Marvin Miller was uh, uh, one the first uh, union boss. Uh, Larry Walker, second ever Canadian. Fergie Jenkins was the first. So that's pretty exciting. I was lo- love to see Larry Walker, Walker get in there. And, and hey, Derek Jeter was a heck of a baseball player for sure. And also, also, Reed. Bill and Gunther of the Edmonton Oil Kings threw out the first pitch tonight for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, cool. I didn't see that. That's awesome. That is cool. It's really cool. Uh, Diamondbacks tweeted out a picture. I I missed that. I'll have to check that out. That's awesome, buddy. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if I'll see you at the game on Saturday, but I'm sure we'll be talking about it. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. Okay. I will text you in my stress-induced panic at some point in the first half. All right. Okay. That's that is a uh, a calm Cam Moon checking in tonight. He will likely not feel so calm between about five and eight p.m. on Saturday. <laughs> but that's okay. It's inside sports on six thirty. Chad. It's seven forty nine. We're back in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. That was a fun show. James Wilder Jr. checked in. Jerry Haraxi from the Spirit of Edmonton. Jeff McQuinney, the CFL's Keeper of the Cup. We just had Mooner on the show. Uh, we were going over some of the highlights of Ken Holland's interview from last night. Do you ever miss anything on the show? Well, a few options. Like, if you're worried about missing the show, you could, uh, like, get one of those old ghetto blasters and hit play and record when the show come on, comes on and then just leave the room and then you could listen back on your cassette. Did you ever do that, Kellen? I used to do that when 630 yep. Jed played popular music back in the 1980s. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd have the tape in there. This is the, so I, I was kind of like uh, Napster before there was Napster. Yeah, I was. I I did the same thing with the uh, the FM stations that are in our family with Kissin and uh, well, back in the day it was Power ninety two. Now it's the Chuck ninety two five. So, yeah, that was like that was how we streamed music when I was a kid. Yep. You, you ran to your little ghetto blaster or recorder or whatever they had. Yeah, because you had the tape deck and the radio all in one, and you hit play and record, and you recorded the song. So you usually missed the very beginning of the song. So if it had a good guitar intro you often didn't get that but anyway mm-hmm. uh what was i talking about I oh mean, yeah you can yeah. always get the uh you could you sign up for the inside sports podcast on itunes you know google play uh podcast farm i think that's another app they have out there we'll send you a canned ham if you do that or you can just go to the show page on 630ched.com blue jays have scratched out a run here in the top of the seventh so they go back ahead of the yankees four three is the score, as I mentioned, Sidney Crosby is uh, out for the Penguins for about six weeks. He had wrist surgery, so he might miss the first week or so of the regular season. We'll see how it goes. Penguins are uh, going to be opening up on October 12th against Tampa Bay. The, the 
the date from from now where Crosby would be able to return is is speculated to be October 20th. But of course, maybe he's able to come back a little bit sooner than that. So that is a significant one. Oilers players continue to skate at uh, at Rogers Place, getting ready for the season. I mentioned rookie camp is is coming up, so there'll be some stories to follow out of that. What's going to happen with Yamamoto's contract, and uh, we'll roll into main camp on September 22nd. And uh, of course, uh, at the moment. To go to an Oilers game, you'll have to have proof of vaccination or proof of a negative COVID test from no more than 48 hours before the start of the game. Well, we'll see if that policy uh, is altered by OEG as we move along here closer to the season and depending on what happens with COVID in the city and the province. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. So again, tomorrow I'm on from 6 to 7. And then the Federal Leaders Pierogi Eating Contest. We'll start at 7 o'clock. We will have live coverage of that for you right here on 630 Chet. My name's Reed. Thanks a lot for tuning in. 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chet. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, there was an explosion. Oh, my God. The ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going down. I've got a lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.